0: to the book of John. We'll start at chapter number 12, verse 12 and 13, then we'll back up. If you found it, say amen. Amen. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast... When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, this is John 12 and 12, now verse 13, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king, that of, is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. I want to Bible study on the last week of Jesus, the last week of Jesus, we know that uh, that this week is what is called Holy Week. Friday, of course, Good Friday, the day that we commemorate the crucifixion of the Lord. Of course, Sunday, we, we uh, celebrate the resurrection. But uh, I want to talk to you about the last week of Jesus. God, I pray that you help me, Lord, as I open the Word. I pray, let it find good ground. I pray, God, that you would give us understanding, revelation. God, I pray that you would do a work of the Holy Ghost. You know what we need here tonight. God, you know every circumstance and every situation in every life. And God, we thank you for hearing an answer in prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing and praying. In theological circles, there are considered three primary branches of Christianity. Of course, Catholicism is uh, considered one of them. The other is orthodox. Orthodox would include like the Greek Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox, the Coptic Church. And uh, doctrinally, they're essentially Catholic, but uh, they fall under the heading of Orthodox. And then there's the Protestant strain. The Protestant movement began in 1517. Martin Luther nailing his treatise on the door of the church. That revolution or reformation They were trying to reform the Catholic Church. They weren't trying to start different denominations. They were were trying to reform the Catholic Church. But when it became clear that they would not, the, the church was not going to change, they began to splinter. The Lutheran Church took its name from Martin Luther, the German leader of the Reformation. The Presbyterians began in Scotland following the leadership of a man named John Knox. The Anabaptists. The Anabaptists, uh, they, they distinguished themselves. The word Anabaptist means rebaptizer. And so that takes in a broad, uh, a broad swath of, of denominations. Anyone that would rebaptize after breaking away from the Catholic Church were considered Anabaptists. The Anglicans, the Anglicans started in England when King Henry VIII wanted to divorce his wife. And the Pope wouldn't let him, so he started his own denomination. And uh, it's essentially Catholic, except they allow divorce. And uh, you have the Amish, the Mennonites, the Baptists, non-denominational, so on. I contend, now that's, that's what traditional theology says. I contend there's a fourth branch, which is actually the first branch. And that's the apostolic Pentecostal church that didn't come out of any of these, but was continuously in place. From the upper room all the way down till now. Amen. Amen. It's based on the original answer of Simon Peter when he asked, God asked the first question. One of the things, uh, of course, we've got a group that's getting ready to go to Israel. in uh, One month from this last, this last Monday, we've got a group that we'll be taking to Israel. And um, my daughter Kate's going with me. Pray for my wife. She's nervous about it. But uh, there ain't no point letting her fear stop Kate from experiencing the world. And so, um, and so Kate's going, and uh, I bought her a journaling Bible. It's the book of Acts, and it has a page, and then it has a blank page. So I told her, we're going to take this to the upper room, and when we get there, we're, we're going to read it, and then you're going to write everything that, that you want to write. Because the upper room is acknowledged. I have a Bible study I've taught, I've got in that Bible study quotes from from like several different denominations that all confirm that the upper room is the birthplace of the church. Amen. uh, A few years ago, the Pope visited Jerusalem, went to the upper room, and he said, here is where the church was born. Well, that church was born in that upper room. And when they saw and experienced what happened in the upper room, they asked the very first doctrinal question In the church age, Acts 2.37, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? That is the first question, that is the first question that was asked about salvation, and we still preach the first answer ever given. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That is the original answer to the original question, and we still preach the original gospel. That's why I said there's a, there's a first branch of Christianity, and that is true Book of Acts upper room theology. Amen. And so in the Catholic Orthodox and Protestant, some Protestant denominations, they refer to, uh, they're referred to what's known as liturgical churches, a liturgical, the liturgical church is a church that follows a very rigid order of service. Uh, liturgy is ceremony, ritual, rite. And so they have a list of rituals that they do. They burn incense, they do this, they do that. And, uh, they, they use this former formal structure of worship that's been passed down to them by tradition. Now, we're not what you would call a liturgical church. We're not liturgical in the commonly used sense. We prefer to be spirit-led and let the Holy Ghost move and respond to the move of the Spirit, where many liturgical churches celebrate what's called Holy Week leading up to Easter. And... Uh, and so it started this past Sunday with Palm Sunday, and uh, it continues throughout this week. And I think it's good for us to uh, to think about what did Jesus do in his last week? What were his days like? And so Palm Sunday this past Sunday it commemorates the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. We read it in John chapter number twelve, verse twelve and three. Uh, Jesus riding on a donkey as he's riding into Jerusalem. The Bible said on the next day much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees, went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. While he was riding into the city, They were taking these palm branches and laying them down on the street in front. It would be the ancient equivalent of a red carpet. You've heard the term rolling out the red carpet. It's a welcome. It's it's making sure that somebody knows they're welcome. Well, that's what they would do with these palm branches. They would lay it down as a sign of respect and they would cry, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel. Well, that word Hosanna is is a word of worship But it literally means to save us or save, O king. And when they were crying, save us, and calling Jesus the king of Israel, that got the priests and the multitude. The multitude was praising him, and the priests knew we've got to get rid of him. And so after Palm Sunday, Jesus stays in Jerusalem. And I'm going to go through a couple of these days pretty quick. On the Monday, on that Monday, what we would call Monday, Jesus cleared out the temple he went into the temple and he found merchants selling sacrifices ch- selling cheap sacrifices that people could come and pay a few cents for and go in and offer that sacrifice far from far from the way that it was originally intended when the law, law was given to Moses when a man was supposed to raise the sacrifice, have his own investment in it and now they're selling it cheap as mass market. Of, of sacrifices that you can go to the temple and last minute buy. And then he goes a little further and he finds the money changers. The money changers are, are exchanging cash and they had a system where they would shave the edges of the coins and those scrapes off the edges of the coins they would keep those and eventually they'd have enough to make their own coin and they were they were stealing from people and when Jesus saw that they were selling these cheap sacrifices and, and using the house of God, using, using the very core of the temple to steal from people. Jesus got angry and he drove them out of the temple. He turned over their tables and he drove them out. And that was what he did on Monday. They had turned the house of God. He told them, he said, you took a house of prayer and you've turned it into a den of thieves. And so he drove them out. On Tuesday, on Tuesday, Jesus passed by and saw a fig tree that had leaves but no fruit, and Jesus cursed the tree because it looked like it should be producing fruit, but it had no figs. And so the next day they passed by, and the fig tree had withered away. I I preached a message at a pastoral uh, anniversary service a few years ago, about the two fig trees. You know, there were two fig trees cursed in the Bible. There was the one that I just talked about that Jesus saw it had leaves and no fruit, and so he cursed it, and it, it withered away. Overnight, the tree was dead. There was another tree that was cursed, and there was, but there was, a, there was a husbandman, there was a farmer that said, let me just work on a little bit longer. Let me dig around it a little bit longer. And that tree was spared from destruction. You need to be thankful that there's somebody willing to go between you and God and pray that God grant mercy. Amen. The only difference between those trees, one of them had a pastor that prayed for it and the other one didn't. Amen. That's not my point, but still. So Jesus spends these two days. He spends Monday and Tuesday. And 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 then we turn into we turn into Wednesday. Wednesday on the liturgical calendar is called Spy Wednesday, S-P-Y, Spy Wednesday. We turn to Matthew 26 and verse number six. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this woman, there shall also this that this woman hath done, be told for memorial of her. This, this event happens in the house of a man named Simon the leper. It's the Wednesday before his crucifixion. She comes, he's in the house of this man named Simon the leper. The dreaded disease of leprosy. Leprosy is often used in the Bible to represent sin. Leprosy is dangerous because it deadens the pain of injury so that the sufferer doesn't feel it. My thumb, I got a, I got a numb thumb. That, I didn't mean that to rhyme. It just did. But uh, I, my thumb, I was working on my gate. I had that, that storm that came through, blew, part of, blew one of my gates off of my fence. And it bent, the, it bent the, uh, the hinges and all that. And so I was trying to take the hinges off of the old gate so I could straighten them up and reuse them. And uh, in the process, I had one of those square head bits, and I was trying to get it had walled out. And Brother Benny, I had pushed it as hard as I could to get that screw to loosen, and it started to loosen. And when it got out far enough, it wobbled, and that square bit turned into my thumb. Bled like crazy. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's been a couple of days, and it's still a little bit numb. And uh, I was, I was feel, I'm feeling of it right now. But I was feeling of it, and I thought, man, that's strange that I, that, that, that I can't feel the end of my... Uh, it'll come back someday. <laughs> but the problem with leprosy is leprosy numbs the body. It deadens the pain of injury. When I was in Ethiopia back in 1995, I saw a, uh, a man that... You know, there's no cure for leprosy. It's still... There, there's a leper colony in Louisiana. Um, and... Uh, there's still no cure for it. They, they've changed the name of it. They don't call it leprosy anymore. Now they call it Hansen's disease. Um, sounds a little bit better. But leprosy deadens the pain of injury. When I saw that leper in Ethiopia, he had he had he had wounds all over his body because he could step off the, the, the curb of a street, break his ankle and not know it, just walk on like he, like because he can't feel the pain of the injury. He could burn himself and, and never know. Just keep on. Just keep on using the hand because you can't feel the pain. And that's one of the reasons why leprosy is likened in the Bible to sin. Because once you start sinning, it deadens your response to it. You ever notice that? Somebody that when they they do something the first time, they feel this sense of guilt. But if they do it again, gradually they lose the ability to feel the pain of sin. And so these lepers, this, this man... Simon the leper. leper, leprosy was so dangerous, one, probably the most deadly disease in Bible times to the point that, uh, that if a man was found to have leprosy, he was required to go outside of the camp, live by himself or live with other lepers because he wasn't going to, he wasn't allowed to come in the camp and spread the leprosy. If, if a man had leprosy, his garments had to be had to be looked at by the priest. And when you weave, there's, and I don't know which is which, it's called the warp and the woof, and I don't know which one's which. One's vertical and one's horizontal. And the priest had to look at the man's garments to see if maybe it had a stain of leprosy on it. If it did, it had to be burned. If somebody got close to someone with leprosy, the leper was required by law to cry unclean, so they knew to keep a distance. It was like COVID rules, except... Except it was necessary. We might, this sermon might get banned from Facebook for that one. It's all right. We'll steal the truth. Leprosy deadens the pain. And this man was named Simon, the Bible called him Simon the leper. They changed the name from leprosy to Addison's disease or I'm sorry Hansen's disease I think it is. But just because you change the name of it doesn't change the result of it. And I remember when sin used to be sin. But now it's not anymore but just because you change the name doesn't change the result of it. In the scripture there was this man named Simon who was a leper. Leprosy ruined his life. It isolated him. It made his life miserable. It was a death sentence, no cure for it. There's no mention of anything about this man in this particular passage, Simon. It doesn't say anything about his integrity, his character, his values. He could have been a great father, a great husband, a great neighbor, a good citizen. Could have been honest, kind, and friendly. But none of that mattered because he was a leper. Leprosy dominated his life. He wasn't known as Simon the good father. He was known as Simon the leper. He wasn't Simon the good neighbor. He was Simon the leper. That that leprosy had dominated his life. When he found out he had leprosy, there'd be no more hugs from his children, no no more holding his wife's hand. There'd be no more sitting around the table talking with friends because now he's Simon the leper and he's forced to live alone on the outside of camp. And now we find that Jesus, when he's in Bethany, we find Jesus in the house of Simon the leper. Matthew 26 and 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper. Brothers and sisters, that's one of the most profound verses in your New Testament. Because it shows a Savior that's not afraid to get close to people that have everything going against them. It shows the heart of a Savior that though no one else, no one's, who's gonna to go to the house of Simon the leper? Nobody, right? If you knew that getting close to somebody had a high probability of causing you to get their fatal disease, would you go hang out with them? No. But Jesus went to the house of Simon the leper. Jesus broke the barriers that would have isolated Simon. Now why is that important? It's important because the Bible uses leprosy as a type of sin. And Jesus isn't afraid to get close to sinners. Amen. Everyone who's ever been a sinner ought to say thank the Lord that he's not too good. He's good but he's not too good to reach for a sinner he's not bothered he'll get close to somebody that nobody else wants anything to do with he'll get close to the person that other people reject and are afraid to be around that fact that jesus when he went to bethany that he went to the house of someone that no one else would visit that ought to tell us if we really want to be christ-like if we really want to be like jesus we've got to be willing to reach for the people that no one else wants to reach for To be around people that no one else wants to be around. When Jesus was in Bethany, now, now why? Now, now, is it because Jesus had no one else to spend time with in Bethany? Was that it? No. How do we know that? Because the family that Jesus may have been closest to was from Bethany, Lazarus, that he had raised from the dead, and Mary and Martha, his sisters. They lived in Bethany. And so it's not like he didn't have... I mean, here he has a family that may be his best friends that, that in, in, the, in the Bible that he could have gone and spent time with, but he goes to the house of Simon the leper. He doesn't just hang out with people that he knows that he's close to. I'm talking profoundly about somebody that goes against what nature says. I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes, as soon as church is over, we rush to get to our best friends and we'll walk right by a guest to get to them, won't we? Amen? Y'all here? Praise God. Jesus didn't go to the house of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He goes to the house of Simon the leper the place where no one else would go. The Bible said that while he's at the house of Simon the leper, this is the Wednesday before his crucifixion. While he's in the house of Simon the leper, verse 37 of Luke 7, this this is the same, we were reading the Matthew 26 version in in Luke 7, 37, it says, Behold a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster box of oil I want to back up This is the same story I read the Matthew version I read the Luke version Here's what Matthew 26 and 6 says Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper Now let's read Luke 7:37 again Behold a woman in the city which was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at me in the Pharisee's house. It's the same house, the same story. If you read the Matthew 26 version, this lady comes, she opens her alabaster box of ointment, pours it on his head, she, uh, and, and, and the disciples get mad because she wasted the money. Luke 7:37. there's a woman in the city, a sinner. She knew that he was at the Pharisee's house. You notice, it's the same story. The same house. But he's called Simon the leper in one passage and he's called a Pharisee in the other. Anybody know anything unique about Pharisees? The Pharisees were notorious. They were notorious for being strict followers of the law. You almost could not please a Pharisee. They were a Pharisee was the one that was standing there, and he saw this poor lady with, and and she's standing there praying, and she has nothing. She has nothing, and she's she's poor. She has two little, you know. And 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 here he's standing next to her, and here's his prayer: God, I thank you that I'm not like her. Well, that's a great holy prayer isn't it thank you Lord that I'm not like her the Pharisees were a sect of Jews that there was no one good enough for them they were known for looking down their noses at people because they couldn't measure up and the left the Pharisees believed that if somebody got leprosy it was the judgment of God Because they had done some sin. They had done something. And God judged them by giving them leprosy. And that's great when you're Simon the Pharisee. But when you become Simon the leper, and you realize that what happened to someone else could happen to you, now it's a whole different story, isn't it? Have you ever known people that when it was somebody else's kid, they wanted judgment? When it was their kid, they wanted mercy. I'm in the wrong place, aren't I? That when it's somebody else making the mistake, you want, you want them to get, get them. But when it's you making the mistake, it's very easy in life to one day be Simon the Pharisee and the next day be Simon the leper. We got to be careful how we deal with people that are dealing with situations in life. Amen. That's right, that right there, I know it's not exciting, but that's some of the best preaching I ever did in my life. Show mercy. Because if you'll show mercy, you can get mercy. Simon the Pharisee is now Simon the leper. It also says something about this woman. The Bible said she was a sinner. I've read articles... I've read journal articles. They've accused her of being a prostitute. They've said this and that. All the Bible says is that she was a sinner. It doesn't say what kind of sinner. She was just a sinner. And when she goes, she goes to the house of Simon the leper to find Jesus. It tells you something. As bad as leprosy is, it's worse to die a sinner. She would rather risk leprosy to find Jesus than to live the rest of her life without him. Let me just say that whatever you gotta do to get Jesus is gonna be worth it all. Whatever you gotta do to find him is gonna be worth everything. Amen. And so she goes to the house of of Simon the leper and there, now we're gonna go back. We're gonna go back to Matthew 26. We're telling the same story from two or three different places. Matthew 26 and 7, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, verse 8, saying, to what purpose is this waste? To someone who isn't interested in worship, Worship is always a waste. To people that don't really need him, worship is always a waste. I've watched people come to church and while everything was good, they'd just come to church and sit and show up. Never respond, never get, but you let something rock their boat and all of a sudden worship's not a waste anymore. This lady knew she was desperate. She knew she needed him. But the guys that had been with him all this time, the ones that, that, that had seen him walk on water, that had watched him raise the dead, the ones that had seen him heal diseases, open blind eyes, that, that, the ones that had seen him every day do all those miracles, if anyone should have known that he deserved whatever was poured out on him, it should have been those guys. But they were so accustomed to his presence that they failed to appreciate when a sinner came and just gave their best that they had. Luke said the ointment was spikenard, and it said it was very precious. That particular, that particular uh, element, that spikenard, is from a plant that grows high in the mountains. It's, you can find it in the Himalayan mountains of Nepal, in China, and in northern India. It grows to about three feet in height. It has little pink bell-shaped flowers. You only find it between 9,800 feet and 16,000 feet of elevation. The nearest source to Jerusalem is 2,900 miles away. It was so precious that a pound of it cost the equivalent of $40,000. The amount needed to make perfume was at least a year's wages. This lady brought something. That was very expensive and rare. And you don't walk down the street with an alabaster box of Spikenard and just happen to decide. When, When she left her house, wherever it was that she hid her valuables, she went to that place knowing that I'm taking the best I have to Jesus. I'm taking the very best. I'm not just, I'm not, it's not an afterthought. She planned her worship. Can I tell you that we should never come to church and say, well, if they sing my favorite song, then I'm going to worship. Or if if they if I feel just the right way, then I'll respond. When we walk out of the house, we ought to have our alabaster box in our hand and say, I'm going to give God my very best. I'm giving him everything. This is the Wednesday before he died. She brought something precious. And so she comes to worship. She opens and she pours it on him and the disciples say, what is this waste? But, but uh, the Bible said in verse 8, when his disciples saw it, they had indignation. Why is she wasting this? We could have we sold this and given it to the poor. Matthew is kind. Matthew uses just the general term disciples. You know how, you know how it is. If you, have, if you have a group of people and... Uh, you know, like, like, like you have people in a church and when you have this many people in a church, somebody's bound to get into it with somebody else, you know, and it just happens. And sometimes it happens between husbands and wives. Sometimes I can tell how people are getting along by how they sit by each other. With <laughs> Benny, Sister Janet, we'll schedule something. <laughs> That's great. Uh. But it's it's inevitable. It just happens. And sometimes, if, if one person in the church offends somebody else and they leave the church, they say the church offended me, when really it was one person or two people. Well, when you look at this passage of scripture, Matthew Matthew's nice about it. He says the disciples had he didn't he didn't call anybody out. He just the group. The disciples had indignation. Here's how John said it. John chapter number 12, verses 4 and 5. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. I mean, Matthew, Matthew he just paints the broad picture. John basically just says, you right there, stand up. <laughs> Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Anybody got their Bible open to this passage? John 12, I... I I've got a Bible right here. Y'all okay? We got, you got half a second for me to find. I want to find verse six. I'm going to read it because I got a mic. Well, you might not need a mic, but (laughs) look at what he says in verse six. Why he says, let me, let me read. I'm surprised that my eyes can see this. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Look, listen to verse six. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. John is calling this dude out. Matthew just kind of covers it up and says, well, the disciples said. Well, really, John says, don't, don't lump me in with that dude. And, you know, Matthew, you say how you want, but I'm gonna say the truth. Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which would betray the Lord, said that, but not because he cares about the poor. He just is a thief. Then Jesus said, in verse 7, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing has she kept this. Leave her alone. Don't, don't, don't bother this lady. He rebukes Judas for complaining that the money was wasted. You ever wondered have you ever wondered how somebody like Judas can go from walking with Jesus watching him work miracles I mean he watched he watched Jesus take the bread and break it and pass it out to thousands he watched Jesus while he while he was in the boat he watched him walk on the stormy waves He watched him raise the dead at Lazarus' tomb. He watched him raise the widow's son. Watched him cast the demon out of the boy that threw himself into the fire and then tried to drown himself in the water. He watched all that for three years. How could he then turn around and sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, a slave's price? How do you go? How do you go from from watching him walk on water to, to betraying him? When you get offended, you do stuff that you would not normally do. And when Jesus rebuked Judas, that, now, we're, we're talking about the last week, okay? It starts out, it starts out, I, I should have read it, I think I skipped over it, Matthew 26, it starts out with the disciples, they, they, they or I'm sorry, when, when Jesus comes in, the, the priests, they say, we got to kill him. We've got to kill him. We've, we've got to find a way to kill him, and then it, the and then Matthew goes straight from the story where the priests are saying we've got to kill him, to talking about this story about Simon the leper's house when he has to rebuke Judas, and then as soon as that here's as soon as as soon as this story ends the very next part Matthew twenty six fourteen. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said unto him, said unto them, what will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. As soon as he got rebuked, as soon as he got rebuked about the money He goes straight out and makes a deal with the high priest. You got to guard your heart. I met with somebody today. I met with somebody this afternoon. that has got some stuff going on in their life. And I told him, I said, I'm going to pray that God will guard your heart. Because if you ever get anything in your heart, you're capable of things that you don't think you could be capable of. I mean, he walks with Jesus for three years. And as soon as he gets rebuked one time, he's out betraying the Lord. This is the Wednesday, Spy Wednesday. That's why they call it Spy Wednesday, because from that moment, he seeks an opportunity. He's, he's telling the priests, well, they're going to be here this time. And then they're going to and they call it Spy Wednesday on the liturgical, on the liturgical calendar. Thursday was the Last Supper. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Gave them many of the most powerful lessons. Jesus is 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 the, on Thursday, he goes, they go to the upper room, they do the Last Supper, and then he washes the disciples' feet. He gets ready to wash Peter's feet, and Peter says, You're not washing my feet. He said, Well, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part in me. He said, Well, then wash my hands and my head also. And he sits with the disciples. And he knows, the Bible said he became heavy. He starts to tell them about betrayal and suffering and dying. The son of man, is, he, he starts to tell them this is, this, is, you know, this is happening. He looks at Judas. And he says, what you do, do quickly. That phrase... That phrase is a profound phrase in the Bible. Because what Jesus was saying, I've done all I can do. I've loved you, I've prayed with you, I've preached to you, I've done everything I can do. So, and it, it didn't work. So now just go. Boy, it'd be a terrible thing To get to that point with the Lord, wouldn't it? What you do, do quickly. And the Bible said, he went out and it was night. He goes out into the darkness and as soon as the door was shut, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. It's like the whole conversation shifts. He's talking about betrayal and dying. And then as soon as Judas goes out, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And then he starts, starting in John 13, he starts giving all these profound messages. He says many things that you and I talk about. I and my Father are one. He tells them the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, which I'll send in my name. He talks, gives all these profound lessons while Judas is out betraying. It's the Last Supper. Thursday, after the Last Supper, after He washes the disciples' feet, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there He takes Peter, James, and John and He begins to pray. He's wrestling with the cup of sin that's going to be laid upon Him. He goes back to the disciples. He's asked them to watch with Him. And He goes back and He, they, and he says, He says, can you not watch one hour? And He goes back and prays. The Bible said He he prays and he sweats as if it were great drops of blood, and he goes back in their sleep. And he says, Just take your rest. It's too late. The Son of Man has been betrayed. And at that moment, Judas comes, kisses him on the cheek, and he says, he calls him friend. He said, Friend, betrayest thou the son of man with a kiss. At that point, he's arrested. While they're arresting him, Peter pulls out a sword. I don't know where he got a sword. He pulls out a sword. And he cuts the ear off a Roman soldier by the name of Malchus. Attacking a Roman soldier is instantly punishable by death. Jesus picks up the ear, puts it back on Malchus' head, and heals him. Because Peter can't be executed. Because Peter has to be in an upper room to preach because he's got the keys of the kingdom. And that's Thursday. Thursday, he's taken to Pilate. He's taken to Herod. He's taken then before the people, and they cry, crucify him. And on Friday, he's crucified. Saturday, he's in the tomb. But on Sunday, he's resurrected with life. I've been, pre- I've been preaching 40, I didn't realize, it's, it probably seemed longer than 42 minutes to you. But it's amazing how much of the Bible is crammed into one week, isn't it? When we start thinking about, when we start thinking about what this week means, Spy Wednesday, today, right before, he's betrayed. All these things happening. All this stuff going on. I told, I told Brother Robbie Yates on my way up here, I said, now look. I said, I'm just telling you, I don't have an inspirational one tonight. (laughs) It's informational. It's not inspirational. But all this happens leading up to the cross. And at any point, if he wanted to, he could have aborted the whole mission. And left us to our own demise. But I'm glad. I'm glad that. That he went through with it. Aren't you glad he goes to the house of Simon the leper? Aren't you glad he goes to people? Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that even even at the very end, he looks at Judas and he calls him friend? Judas has treated him as an enemy, but Jesus treats him as a friend. Amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you, God. Lord, for everything that this week represents. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you went step by step to the cross. You went step by step through all of this last week. And God, you knew You knew the pain of the cross. You knew the humiliation and the suffering. But yet, Lord, you submitted yourself to all of it so that we could be saved. And God, as we're entering into this holiest time where we commemorate your death on the cross, and God, where we celebrate the power of your resurrection, God, I pray that you help us not to be so caught up in life that we fail to pause and remember what you've done for us. God, I thank you for my church family. God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. And I thank you that we get to celebrate you together. Lord, I pray that you give us a great Easter weekend. Pour out your spirit, God. God, I pray that you would pour out the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name.